Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Just a massive thank you to whoever you are listening to this. Before we start, just to remind you that we do this podcast two, three times a week. But we don't always know which day it's going to be on, so there's only one way to know, and that is to subscribe and get notifications. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Right, enough about that. Let's talk some rugby. Hello, I'm Ben James. It's a slightly different podcast today. Rather than usual guests, we've gone a little further afield for some added insight. As is England v Wales this weekend, we've spoken to a few former England internationals about what it means to play against Wales. So sit back and enjoy. been fascinated by the attitudes that surround the rugby rivalry between the Welsh and the English. Naturally, we're largely familiar with the Welsh perspective. As long as we beat the English, we don't care. Those are the lyrics to the song specially recorded by the Stereophonics ahead of the 1999 clash at Wembley. Now, for some fans, that sentiment is enough. Just think back to 1999 or 2007 or the fiery county that was 1980. Now, for some, this match is a way of shoehorning 800 years of oppression into 80 minutes on a rugby pitch. Just think about Phil Bennett's famous speech in 1977. It listed what the English had taken from Wales and questioned what they had given back. Now, it's an attitude that has always sat a little uncomfortably for many. The idea that England is the be-all and the end-all is something that Welsh rugby has largely tried to distance itself from. But what about the English attitude to this game? I spoke to three former England stars to get their perspective on what England v Wales means to them. Hi, my name's Phil Vickery. Nick Easter. Hi, it's Mark Quaito, Sales Sharks and England. So these are the men who are providing the insight for this podcast. All of them have had their fair share of battles with Wales on the pitch. But just what does it mean to play Wales as an Englishman? There's always a special sort of smell in the air or, you know, for want of a better phrase, when you when you come up against the uh, the Welsh over the, over the years. It was always interesting here at Sale because over the years we had quite a lot of Welsh players. We had, you know, Dwayne Peel, Mark Thomas, uh, Effie Lewis Roberts. You know, we had a lot of Welsh boys. You know, Kingsley Jones was coaching here. You know, there's, there's always been a strong um, Welsh presence here at, at Sale over the years. Um you know, and bizarrely, a lot of my good mates in in, uh, in rugby are, are Welsh, but come come International Day, they they, they couldn't be the other end, they couldn't be more the other end of the spectrum. You um, you just hate the English, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever truly understood it until I played in England Wales International. Yeah, well, I think we're just made aware because uh, you know, obviously being our closest neighbour. Um, there's a you know a lot of us have friends and colleagues you know whether you're playing club rugby or just your mates who uh, make it known how big the game is. Um, so you're well aware of it, and also you know if you do lose it, you never hear the end of it. Um, <laughs> you know they enjoy sort of rubbing your nose in it if you like, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's one of the oldest rivalries and. And, you know, it's been there throughout history. Um, and it's always a game you look forward to. Um, personally, I, put, I look forward to, to the, the challenge of the Welsh more than the Scots and the Irish um, in my career. But someone else could tell you something different. But 
you know, I, I played mainly against the sort of Warren Gatland era, so they were a well-drilled, good side with quality players. And uh, ultimately, you know, you want to test yourself against the best players um, in the world and in Europe in the Six Nations. And uh, uh, it was always a tough encounter. To, to be honest, you'll know more than me. I, I never kept count of wins and losses. All I knew was you had it was swings and roundabouts. You had good and bad days. But I think... My uh, memory of playing, uh, you know, Wales really goes back to kind of growing up in Cornwall. We used to go on tours to, to, to South Wales, used to never win. Um, very rarely got a win at uh, age group level, particularly with England. I remember getting my, my first uh, England under 16s cap playing against uh, Wales at Pontypridd. Lost that. I actually got my first England, well, my first full cap for England. That was at Twickenham, and that was a that was a slightly different experience. That was a that was a fantastic win. It's interesting that Vickery talks about his experiences growing up because that's where naturally you'd expect the rivalry to be born. Sitting in front of the TV on a Saturday afternoon, watching the Six Nations or Five Nations, if you're a certain vintage, and, and seeing the fierce rivalries between these neighbouring countries. Of course, as, as Nick Easter points out, that isn't always the case. Well, well, as a fan, again, I don't mean to be insulting, but Wales were hopeless <laughs> in, in the early nineties. In the early nineties, and I watched it, they, they, they really were. And sort of later on, you know, maybe sort of mid to late nineties or whatever. I mean, it was still pretty hopeless. Um, but, but you, I started to understand a bit more about the Welsh sides of the seventies. Now they represented the, you know, the Great Lion sides and all that sort of stuff. And like any sort of side who are in the doldrums, whether it be your football club or your international team, you think you're never going to see the, the glory days again. But as I said, it all comes full cycle most of the time, sports. And, uh, you know, the Welsh have had a very successful period, uh, you know, in the last 10, 12 years for sure. Um, but yeah, when I was growing up, you know, Wales Wales and Ireland weren't that good, actually. It was Scotland and France. You know, that, that Scotland Grand Slam game, um, that they beat us in was, you know, one of the first five nations I watched sort of from start to finish. In fact, it was the first five nations I watched from start to finish in terms of the England games. Um, and then, you know, France were, you know, France and England were probably the two strongest sides um, throughout that sort of early 90s period. Um, and Scotland were very strong in the early 90s as well. Um, so, yeah, the, the the Wales game was sort of a, seemed to be a bit of a formality. Um, there was that one off, which I think everyone was shocked with when Yian Evans kicked the ball through and outpaced Rory Underwood. And, oh, yeah. yeah, it was sort of like, well, that's not meant to happen. What's going on here? <laughs> and uh, that probably should have been warning signs that actually, you know, that, that Wales have had the better of the English. Um, you know, in the 80s and the 70s, but obviously I wasn't around to watch that. So, so to answer your question, my early days, um, yeah, I mean, Wales wasn't really the fixture. Uh, you know, it was more France and Scotland, but, uh, you know, that, that was just a sign of the times. For someone like Cueto, who took an interest in the sport at a later age, there was no interest in the Anglo-Welsh battles as a youngster. I was quite late to rugby, so I, it wasn't like I grew up wanting to, to be a rugby player or watching, you know, I wasn't a mad sort of fan. I wasn't fanatical about rugby or anything like that. So I don't, you know, I remember the old, my, my old man was, was, was big into his rugby, played, you know, played county level, all that stuff back in the 70s. So played at a decent level in the 70s, but obviously the game was amateur. So he he's the biggest sort of rugby influence on my life. So I remember being a kid, 
you know, and it was the old five nations or the four nations, whatever it was back then, um, you know, on a, on a Saturday afternoon and my old man sat watching, shouting at the telly. Um, you know, I, I remember that, but I didn't have a, a huge interest in it really. Um, and, and probably, probably not until I actually turned pro at about 20 that it, it, it sort of started to drop on my radar a little bit. Vickery in particular was someone who fed off the rivalry and his early experiences watching helped inform that. You know, I was always quite an emotional player anyway. I never these huge amounts of encouragement. But I think, you know, when you play against, you know, Wales, Six Nations, you know, huge games. But because for me, the historical, not the same for everybody, but I grew up watching them on the TV, watching Grandstand and, you know, seeing those big games, you know, watching great battles on the field and, you know, great era of certainly England players who are my heroes, you know, Mike T, Peter Winterbottom, Dean Richards, Wade Dooley, Paul Ackford, Paul Rendell, uh, Jeff Probin, you know, Jason Leonard, Brian Moore, Richard Hill, Rob Andrew, Jerry Guskett, Will Carlin, Jonathan Webb, the Underwood boys, you know, Yian Evans, you know, that great trial, you know, it's just, I don't know, it just evokes emotion that spoke from that childhood and, uh, I certainly thought about that when you know when I played. I still think about it now. I still very much love the game and still, uh, you know, still hugely uh, enthusiastic about it. I suppose the other thing that makes these matches so special is that England are quite literally our closest neighbours. We play them often enough, and in, in Lions' years, we play with them too. And that in itself is enough to forge rivalries that mean just a little more than most. Yeah, exactly. That's what I said at the beginning, wasn't it? Like, whether it be, your, you know, your colleagues at, uh, or your teammates at the training ground or just your mates from sort of, like, your, your life, um, you know, whether it be university or just sort of school or whatever it is, you know, you, there, there seems to be a lot of Welshmen around and... Uh, <laughs> You know, they're, they're very quiet when things aren't going well, but when uh, things are going well, suddenly they come out of the woodwork. You know, that's happened with a number of uh, a number of my friends, actually. They suddenly found an, a, a Welsh uh, grandma from somewhere or uh, or a dog, or, <laughs> you know, that might have been brought from a, from a breeding farm or something in Wales. Um, yeah, uh, and, you know, they, they, as I said, you know, they're not really magnanimous in, in victory. Um, not, not, not the Welsh players or management. I'm talking about your mates. You know, they'll they'll make sure you know it. You know, already on WhatsApp groups and everything. You know, the banter's flying around on various different WhatsApp groups I'm on, and it's uh, it's a big occasion. Um, but from a player's point of view, you know, as I said, you know, I, I personally look forward to them. But my approach to every game would have been very, very similarly. But. Um, you know, there, there probably was a little bit more excitement for the Welsh, but I can't speak for the whole England camp. Yeah, no, it is. And obviously, you know, I grew up um, up here, came up to Gloucester when I was, what, 19 years old. I've pretty much been here ever since. So, you know, we're right on that borderline, you know, that English-Welsh uh, border and always very close and, and, and always very closely contested. And there's lots of um, fun and comments going on constantly, not just when England and, and, and Wales, uh, you know, play. But, you know, if I'm being selfish as talking about Lions, if I'm being self- selfish as a Lions fan, I don't particularly want um, Wales playing that well this year we need Wales playing well next year because uh, you know I, I believe for the Lions to be successful then we need to have a successful a vibrant Welsh team so I'm being selfish of course I don't want, I don't wish ill on any 
the Welsh guys or players, but a Welsh team uh, at the top of their game and, and on fire and showing uh, signs of what they're about in, in, a, in a Lions year. That's that, that, that I want to see. I still don't want to see them beat England, but I want to see I want to see a good <laughs> Welsh team, you know, in a Lions year because that's a good sign for the Lions. Often the closer the bond off the pitch, the harder you go on it. As Cueto says, you don't want to lose to your mates. I think from an early age, rugby, rugby is rugby, and you know you do get into that mentality of whatever happens on the pitch stays on the pitch, and you know I, I even see it now. You know, my, I've got three boys, and my my two elder boys both play rugby, and they play a game, and there's no niggle in rugby now. But I think this sort of just sets the foundations for later in life. The, they finish the game, they all they all shake hands with the opposition and they all go in the clubhouse and they have a hot dog and a drink. Whereas football, nobody really shakes hands and they all just get in their parents' cars and drive home. And I think that's a massive foundation for me, um, which leads to, you know, that respect that you have with your opposition late, later in, in life. And I remember, again, that period when we had a lot of English, a lot of Welsh players here. We had a lot of French players here as well. Like says Chabal, Sebastian Chabal, Sebastian Bruno, and Bruno was a hooker. They were both playing for France in the Six Nations, and um, Seb Bruno, front row hooker, horrible on the field, and um, he swung at me a couple of times in the England France game, and then we we come back to the. I don't think we actually saw each other after the game, and um, we come back to the club, and I'm I'm on the physio bed, get my ankle strapped for training or something, and Seb Bruno's on the physio bed next to me getting his ankle strapped for a thumb strap for training and Philippe Saint-André the coach comes in and uh, he'd obviously watched the game and he's like oh Sebastian Queto Queto you were fighting and we get like taking the piss um, out of us fighting it's similar to the World Cup final where there's that there's that clip of there's that photo of Tom Curry gripping Faf de Klerk do you remember it yeah, from yeah, yeah. Last, last year it just I think the, the game's physical it's confrontational you're always you're always going to get into those exchanges and probably more so with your mates because you always want to get one over your mate, don't you? Um, but as soon as you walk off the pitch or you come back to your club, you just have a bit of, you just have a bit of crack. If there was anything cynical in it and you had tried to be a dirty, then the banter from the other lads would soon sort of diffuse any like awkwardness, if you know what I mean. Um, so... Uh, so now it was always good. Between Vickery, Cueto and Easter, the three of them had plenty of good memories against Wales and a few not so good. I mean, I, you know, I have loads of you know, memories um, and, and moments. But for me, it's just more about occasion. I think running out at the, the Principality is just the most amazing feeling. The noise, the, the sound on the field. And uh, yes, of course, the rugby, but, the, you know, you lots of rugby bits you don't remember because you had your head stuck at the bottom of a ruck with someone trying to trying to get rid of it um, so you don't see a lot of it but I remember great times you know I probably had to remember a great English moment I suppose would have been sort of around 2001 uh, Six Nations when we were playing some really really good rugby I remember going to Cardiff and, and being I remember Di Young doing a, 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 a captain I think it was captain or I think he was captain that day doing a, a talk afterwards just saying about how you know respect he had for the English team and how well they played and you know Di being Di he actually meant it and I remember that but 
I just think for me the occasions, but I'll never ever forget my first cap for England playing against uh, Wales at Twickenham. You know that was a magical, uh, you know, moment for me. And well, yeah, it was on ninety-eight. Uh, ninety-eight, yeah. But oh, you know, playing yeah, that was that was some game, yeah. wasn't it? It was, and I was actually then because I was such a young kid. I started quite young. I actually played against some heroes. You know, play. I was playing with some of my heroes, but I was actually playing against some of my heroes. You know, in that Welsh team. So it's kind of a. I was very privileged, really, in my rugby career when I did because I, I was a young puppy, and I and I, I did like I just said, you played with heroes, and I played against heroes, and uh, that moment of running out for the first time, singing your anthem. You know, listening to that Welsh anthem, the Welsh, the Welsh anthem is just bloody beautiful. Um, I was thinking, wow, this is a this is an amazing experience. Just always had some unbelievable battles against the Welsh. You know, I think uh, you know, I I remember playing, you know, sort of oh five, six, seven, that sort of era, and it was always my always my trickiest sort of opponent was Shane Williams, who's a little nightmare. You know, I'd, I'd I'd always rather play against a big, strong, fast bloke because he'll just try and run over you or run round you. Whereas Shane can make you look silly in a phone box, can he? But I just I don't know. Back then, you know, the the Welsh team. You know, you had Michael Owen in the back row, um, Martin Williams. You know, Peel and Jones. You know, Gaz Thomas at fifteen. Shane Williams. You know, you just had an unbelievable. Um, unbelievable team that that you know the in a real sort of purple patch you know i think i think i think you boys won i think you won two or three grand slams in in four or five years just yeah. you know oh five lions tour new zealand oh five you know you boys won the grand slam that year um you know the the form of the welsh team back then was was just just unbelievable and you know the famous game I'm trying to think what year it was it might have been 05 actually when you know Gavin Gavin Henson sort of yeah 05 yeah threw, threw himself on the international circuit you know we had Matthew Tate young 18 year old kid that was you know a bit of a prodigy you know looking like he was going to be you know the, the next big thing and um, you know you, you boys got the the, the better of us that day. Um, it was a tight game from what I can remember, but there was a couple of times, obviously the big hit that Gav put in on Tatey and then that, that penalty from the touchline to secure the win for you boys. But just, I think just, there's always something special about, for me, playing playing Wales in Cardiff at the Millennium Hall Principality. Um, you know, it's in the middle of the city. You're driving in on the bus, the, the city bouncing you know it doesn't matter if you've got a police escort or not nobody gets out of the way for the English team boss when it's coming into the the Millennium Stadium so it takes you twice as long to get into the ground as as it does any other ground you've got you're getting abused you know verbally uh, hand signals all that sort of stuff banging on the side of the bus as you're driving through the city but it's all you know, all part of the experience, and you know, you know what makes it special, and what you know makes the, the hairs on the back of your neck now, you know, stand for me. Thinking about that now, you know, I'm never going to experience that ever again. But to to have experienced it and gone through it, you know, more than once is um, it just incredible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, the, the, I think the Welsh, as I said, under the previous management, have always been 
games a bit of that with the All Blacks doing their hucker inside and then standing up to the hucker and whatever. I've always liked to play those sort of mind games before and that's funny actually that the, those three occasions that the Welsh lost every single game but uh, it didn't seem to work but, but that, I mean look the, the, Car- the Cardiff trip was brilliant I, mean, I know it's not Cardiff this weekend but everything about it so we, we never really stayed that far away from the stadium and then when you drive in you know, you just got hordes of Welsh fans, you know, throwing abuse, headbutting, busing the bus, you know, just kicking the bus, whatever it might be. And you go into the stadium. We always seem to play on a either a Friday night or a late Saturday. So, you know, that sort of it was darkness upon us, um, which which added to the theatre. Um, and yeah, look, the crowd was just very, very noisy. I remember before 2015, Stuart Lancaster had, uh, you know, in the training ground, this sort of indoor facility. He had the Welsh national anthem blaring out and crowd singing and all that sort of stuff while we were running through our moves because he said, That's, you know, you're not going to be able to hear yourself. That's what it's going to be like. I'm Sam Walton, and you're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. That description of Cardiff on a match day raises an interesting point. The difference between the home and away matches often feels like different ends of the spectrum. In Cardiff, words like cauldron and fortress are banded around a lot. There's always the drama about the roof, and you sense the crowd is always going to have some sort of say. Now, Twickenham is still a daunting trip, but you don't feel you're playing against an entire stadium in the same way that you do in Cardiff. But how do the players find the difference between TW2 and CF10? Yeah, I mean, I suppose to answer your question, actually... When we play Wales away, there was a bit, a lot more focus. There seemed to be a lot more focus because, actually, of that reason, um, that it, you know, it's it's a magnificent day, one of my favourite stadiums to play. But it is a cauldron. I mean, the crowd are right on top of you. They're abusive. Um, you know, they're. Uh, I mean, when I came out of came out of retirement, uh, sorry, didn't come out of retirement, got back in the side in 2015. And I was sort of warming up down the side, and uh, they were they were calling me after uh, the Stepto granddad, you know, sort of like <laughs> shouting that sort of stuff at me, which was quite amusing. Um, but it was all good, good fun and good banter. But you know, they are a vociferous crowd; they get on top, and I enjoy that personally. I don't think any sort of crowd should be dumbed down. You know, it's passionate, it's tribal, um, and there was always that debate as well, wasn't there, whether it should be roof open or roof closed, <laughs> uh, le- leading up to the game in Cardiff. So the game in Cardiff probably held a lot more. Um, trip, well, I say trepidation, excitement, and focusing on on the mind and the game at Twickenham. Actually, looking back, we had, uh, and you, you can correct me, but I don't think I'm not sure we ever I ever lost to Wales at Twickenham. Like you said, it was no, you didn't. It was no, always no, three. It was always yeah, because yeah. there was a war as well, wasn't there? Which you won as. When, um, yeah, we spanked you. We put 50, I think we put fifty on you in that game. I I remember that game because I got injured in the warm up, so I had to pull out. I was down to start. That's it, yeah. And I got injured in the warm up and had to pull out, but we put about fifty points. I think I think Tate scored a hat trick that day. Actually, uh, Nick Easter it. scored four. Oh, did he? <laughs> right, three, three yards combined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, we we, but there was a lot of games like that, and and rugby's weird. Rugby, you know both domestically and internationally, you know, I'm heavily involved at sale at, at the moment. And I think we've we've lost one game all season at home, you know, picked up some really good results at home, beating all the big teams. But it's the other way when you go 
away from home. We've probably only won once away from home. That that home away form in in sport, but particularly rugby, it's it, it's bizarre the 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 advantage you seem to to get at home, you know. And and again, never lost to Scotland at Twickenham, but I've never won in Murrayfield, you know. And we've we've gone up there at times, and the Scots have been in terrible form. Yeah. I remember I remember there was one year where I think we had about a twenty five point head start and. <laughs> We went, we went up there, and it was like that England Scotland game two weeks ago, where it was, it was like the end of the fucking world with the weather and the snow and the rain, and um, the conditions were horrific, and it was about ten all with about a minute to go, and um, we had a, we had an attacking scrum about five meters out from the Scotland try line, and Ben Cohen was on the other wing at the time. I was on the maybe the left wing and me and Ben stacked left. So we had about a 20 meter blind side. Everybody else stacked right. And me and Ben basically had a, you know, a two on one with the scrum half running round. And, um, he dropped the ball over the try line. <laughs> that was to win the game. And we lost the game again. So yeah, the, the away, the home advantage, you know, compared to the away, you know, the struggle that you get to, to hit that same form away from home is bizarre. And and nobody seems to be able to, to suss it out. I think I think the day someone does suss it out, you know, that coach will be worth a lot of money. So on to the crux of this podcast. At the start, I talked about the attitude of as long as we beat the English. The question is whether the English ever felt that was the case and what attitude they had themselves heading into the match. Now, the answers, interestingly, differ between players. I, I don't know. I think, and and, and this, I don't know, you, you, you don't want to sound like an arrogant Englishman, but, and it certainly isn't the case, you know, but it is almost that mentality of it doesn't matter what, for the other home nations, it doesn't matter what happens as long as they beat the English in the Six Nations, you know, particularly at home. You know, um, I remember... I don't remember much of that 07 game, but I remember 2011, it was my 50th cap, 50th cap for England. We were on for a Grand Slam. Final game was Ireland in Dublin away, and and they were poor. They'd been poor that season. Um, I don't think they were on for wooden spoon, but I think they'd only won, won one game. And uh, we go over there for a, for a Grand Slam, for my 50th, all, you know, all that sort of stuff. And they absolutely hammered us, just dominated us, just pulled the performance out of the bag. And, you know, after the game, you'd think that they'd won the Grand Slam and they'd only won two games. So I think there always is that, you know, the old enemy in the back of the mind and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, the game's probably moved on a bit now and, and, and all the home nations are very strong. And, um I think there's still that mentality there. I think, you know, I think it's across all sports, really. I think, you know, the English, people love to beat the English, don't they? Um, so there's always a, you know, performance is always raised another 5%, 10% when they, when they play against us. How, how does that sit on your shoulders? How, how do you sort of deal with that as the team and as players? It's, we don't know any different. So, you, you, you know, you, you just go out there and, you know, you prepare the same. There's, there was always a, you know, it's going to be a shame that, you know, Gatlin's not um, in charge now because you always knew, you know, during my sort of era, it was, you know, Dylan Hartley was 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 always involved. I'm trying to think before Dylan, who there was always somebody in the squad that Gats would pick out 
the week of the test match and try and uh, you know shake a few uh, a few feathers, stir a few feathers, and create a bit of a a bit of animosity in the in the press and you know get the tails of the fans up and all that sort of stuff. You know, and I, I always remember, and I swear they only did it against English. Whenever we played it in Cardiff, it was always a. Saturday night at eight o'clock. It was never a Saturday at three o'clock. So all the locals have, you know, they've had eight hours of, of boozing, <laughs> drinking the, the brains beer, and you know they're absolutely teetotaled by the time they get in the in the in the stadium. And you know it, it's a totally different atmosphere to playing at three o'clock when everyone's had a couple of beers. <laughs> so there's, um, yeah, it, it was just good times, great times. Well, I mean. <laughs> I don't think we single whales out as sort of anything different, like anything special. Um, all international games are big. They're, they're all massive occasions. Um, you know, as I mentioned, you, you know, you're, you're out there, the microscope's on you, representing, you're representing England. You know, a lot of people have worn that shirt and a lot of people won that shirt from you. And, you know, it's about, it's about being efficient and getting the job done. Uh, from an emotional point of view, we need, you know, you know that when you're playing the home nations especially because they raise their games because of what you just spoke about as well you know you're going to have to be on the money there otherwise you know you will get your pants pulled down um and it was just about you know that's quite a boring answer but you just got to deliver the game plan and make sure you're up there from an emotional point of view if you know i personally look forward to playing wales um you know, slightly edged it over, you know, Ireland and Scotland. So I mentioned, uh, you know, Wales and France uh, were the two Six Nations games I, I, I enjoyed, you know, the sort of build-up to and the, the occasion. Um, but, you know, you didn't sort of like have extra special attention um, or extra excitement because I think that was sort of downgrade what it means to put on put on the sort of white jersey, you know, and uh, be in the international setup. Um, there, there was extra intel I suppose because you know I come back again you know I played against Wales mainly when they're in the Gatland era and he coached Wasps and we had a lot of Wasp boys you know you likes of Phil Vickery Joe Worsley Simon Shaw there's, there's a lot of guys a lot of contingent English side that knew Sean and, and Warren and you know so there was a little bit of extra spice or a little bit of extra sort of knowledge of what you know the, the approach would be from a Welsh point of view but you know with, with videos now and analysis and you watch all the games, you pretty much know that anyway without actually needing that extra insight. But uh, it did add a, add a bit of spice. I think it, it, it sort of didn't matter to the Welsh. You know, the, their form or what else was going on. They could be they could be on for a Grand Slam or they could be on, on for a wooden spoon. It, it, it was irrelevant. When they come up against the English, they just, had to, they just had to win. They just had to batter us. They had to beat us up, intimidate us. I think they always think... You know the the English are, are a bit soft. They've got a bit of a soft underbelly. Um, you know, private school boys, all that sort of stuff. So that you know that was always a, um, a motivating factor for them. I think um, so. There was always that extra edge. I think when 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 in, when Wales played against England. Would you feel the same way, or, or was that just not the case? Because I guess a few other nations no. maybe thought that way. No, I think. I think as an Englishman, you, you're just aware that, you know, there is that, there is always that extra added reason, incentive for the other nations when they're playing against us to, to win. 
so you you were aware of it but it was almost you know it wasn't just the welsh so it wasn't just a one-off game it was you know it was most times you came up against anybody really that you know they wanted to beat the english more than they wanted to beat anyone else in the world so it's just it's just a no it's just something you you get used to i guess now i think you could probably argue that historically perhaps uh that was maybe something but i think you know this welsh you know, the, the Welsh rugby, you know, in the last 10 years, particularly under Warren Gatland, Sean Edwards and Rob Hurley and Rob McBride, Neil Jenkins, those boys, I think it's moved on a bit. It's better than that. And he's proven that. He's proven that by uh, results. It's not just about beating England. It's it's about a, being a, you know, a, a top competitive rugby nation. You know, admittedly, the Six Nations hasn't gone uh, particularly how they want to but I think like anything when it's an end of an era I think it's always a tough job I think I, I'm still excited by this Welsh team I look what's going on I watch huge amounts of the, of the pro league but the bits I do watch you know what the exciting bit is seeing the talent uh, coming through in Welsh rugby and uh, I don't accept now that it's uh, certain, certainly my view as an Englishman is that I don't accept that Wales think like that anymore. And if they do, then I'd be saddling, but I don't think they do. I just think it's, it's better than that. It's just that that always felt like the sort of, maybe the outside perception that, you know, I remember when 2007, was it Wales won for a wooden spoon and they'd lost every game and then England yeah. rocked up in Cardiff and I think Hook pretty much, you know, scored all the points and, yeah. I think even like the BBC coverage, you know, was like playing that stereophonic song as long as we beat the English. And that, that, yeah. that, that always felt like the mindset. And then say for England, it's, well, you know, without without sort of perpetuating that myth of English arrogance, it's every game for them is, you know, yeah, well, well, is someone stepping you know, up, it, isn't it? You know, you know, as an England player that every, you know, particularly home nations want to beat you. And you could, you could say that. But I mean, I, I don't, I don't believe that Wales winning this weekend makes the previous results acceptable and just beating England's good enough. I, I don't believe, I, I think Welsh rugby and mindset has moved on from that historically. Like I said, perhaps there could have been a bit of that, but I don't, I, I, I personally, I can't speak for anyone else. Uh, I can only tell you what I think and, and uh, I sincerely hope that's not there. I mean, of course everyone wants to beat England. I mean, you know, that's never going to change and you know but that's the same for England England, you know England want to beat everyone too no matter you know whether or not it's Welsh or the histories of a of a of a certain uh, game that's whoever you play you want to go out and, and, and win every game I would never want to be remembered as get having 73 you know England caps and you know one two games I mean what does that mean it doesn't mean anything you know, no, I don't say that just because I, I speak to you now as a Rugby World Cup winner and you know Six Nations and all that stuff. I don't say it because of that. I mean, I think the mindset of players now. I don't. If for me, I'd be very sad if your mindset is purely just about going out and wearing a, a, a Welsh rugby jersey or a Scottish and Irish or French or an English jersey and just being happy to have the jersey. You want to bloody win. You don't want to win, and, and why are you doing it? But that's my. You know, I can't. Not saying that is the case. I'm not saying everyone's like that. I'm just, that's what my mindset was and still is. You, you know, in life in general. You know, if you you're doing your job, I I uh, if you said to me, Phil, I'm just happy just to do this. You want to be the best at what you do, don't you? Yeah. Well, you know, so if you don't, then what are you doing? So much like a Welshman's view of this fixture, I guess it depends on who you ask. 
But it's undeniable that, regardless of our respective attitudes to this match, whether too much stock is placed on this match alone, it has a special place in the fabric of international rugby. And Phil Vickery explains better than most why that is. I think for me, when you when you talk about England Wales, um, it kind of evokes an emotion which is special, and I think that it's special because you know it, it is rivalry. Of course, it's rivalry, but I mean there's rivalry everywhere. But I think if for me personally, if you had to sum up the spirit of the game and what the game means to people, I think the Welsh nation particularly it they kind of exemplify or, or they are what is great about rugby. And, you know, I was always passionate about it. You're growing up in Cornwall, growing up on that family farm and I cared deeply about the game. And uh, I know this weekend's at Twickenham. It's not uh, in Cardiff, but, you know, of all the stadiums I've ever played at, you know, Cardiff, with, you know, with that atmosphere, the city pouring in, you know the the the, the red, the, the dragons, the emotion, the camaraderie, the the, the clubs, the the meaning of it, the meaning of what sort of representing your country is. And I'm not saying it's quite deep, but it's it was always a game that you know if you said to me, people say to me now, you know, you wish you still played. Well, I kind of. Uh, I wish I did a bit in the change room uh, and I wish I did a team talk bit and I wish I could go out and sing a national anthem uh, but you know playing the game hurts but God, if you said to me you know what game would you want to play in you know this weekend you know England versus Wales at Twickenham uh, anthems going passion uh, aggression honour integrity bragging rights you know, this weekend is, is really why you want to play the game or why you want to support the game. And uh, it's just a, I don't know what the right words are, I'm rambling on, I know, but it's just kind of a, it's just a, just a special occasion for me. That's not about, uh, I've heard some words like hatred and da da da. I don't hate anybody. I have a huge amount of respect for, certainly for the Welsh and their passion for the game, but it's just, it's a rivalry. It's, it's two proud nations. It's, it's a coming together of people who care deeply about the game of rugby. And, you know, I don't get that excited sometimes, but this weekend, you know, two teams, two countries going head to head, battling it out on the, on the rugby field. Wow. Cannot wait for it. Just want to say a massive thank you to Mark Cueto, Phil Vickery and Nick Easter. And of course, a massive thank you to yourself for listening. Hope you enjoyed it.